Welcome to the Sports Gloss with Justin and Jamal. Thursday, February 15th. Welcome to the Sports Gloss with Justin and Jamal. I'm Jamal Cox. I'm rolling solo this week. No Justin, but he'll be back next week. We didn't record a new episode with the two of us, but we do have an awesome episode in store for you in the form of an interview we did with our buddies Jay and Kyle. They are the authors of a novel called The Dead Rock Stars. It's a unique take, really cool, fun book, really happy and interested to have the conversation with them about that and and glad to have you guys uh, learn a little bit more about it and hopefully go out and grab the book. As well, we do talk some NFL, their Tennessee Titans and New Orleans Saints fans, respectively. We mix in some Russell Wilson talk, some sports pain talk, as we often like to do on the gloss. And then, as well, we have a brief conversation about some of our favorite movies and TV shows we've enjoyed over the years. We round it out with some parenting talk at the end of the episode. So sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation we have with Jay and Kyle, and Justin and I will be back next week. So lucky and fortunate enough to have the authors of Dead Rock Stars, a novel, Jay Watson and Kyle Wilshire. Thanks for joining us, guys. Absolutely, man. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. And you're in the, kind of in the Nashville area, is that correct? We are. Uh, we live in separate, you know, separate areas of Nashville, but we're both in in the greater Nashville area. Yeah, that's awesome. I've uh, I'm from Virginia originally. I'm from Richmond, and um, I've been to Nashville a few times. Been uh, lucky to do that. And I remember one time in particular, we were me and my buddy just wandered into I don't know like a honky tonk or something, but it was a karaoke night, and it was just a random weeknight, and I couldn't believe the level of talent, the people that were stepping up. I was yeah. like, is, are these, are people getting signed tonight to deals? Because this is amazing. So, um, yeah. Well, yeah. I went to a, uh, I went to a karaoke bar a couple of months ago and this guy got up there and started singing a song. I don't really listen to country music, so I didn't, didn't know what it was. And before it was over with, I mean, he was great. He was phenomenal, like knew all the stuff. And before it was over with, somebody goes, yeah, he wrote that. So a lot of times the writers and stuff will be out there and they'll perform their own songs, but they're not the artist. And so there is, there's, a, you never know what you're going to see in, in Nashville at a karaoke bar. Oh yeah. Just uh, so much talent um, in and around the city. That's awesome. Uh, and like you said, like, you know, two, two, uh, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, 10 o'clock in the morning, whatever you're walking down, you know, Broadway in Nashville and somebody's still chasing that dream, you know, like, yeah. they may be 47 years old, you know, but he yeah. is still chasing that dream, you know, to get discovered and uh, just going after it. And he's amazing or she's amazing. You know, it's really, yeah, we it's have, really we a, have a some of the place. most talented waiters and waitresses in the, in the country. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I've seen it. It's, it's amazing. Uh, I love it when you have just like a Mecca like that for, for, all that talent to come together it's great um being in nashville too i know that you guys are are football fans in particular jay you're a you're titans fan so i wanted to ask you a little bit about that yeah please ask away so the big question i mean first thing off the bat brian callahan do you know much about him what are your expectations a new coach coming over from cincinnati i was really upset about rabel leaving and i read a crazy article today you know nobody hired him yeah. And 
uh, there was a GM, like an anonymous GM at the Pro Bowl that said that they think one of the reasons why he didn't get hired is his physical size. Like he's an intimidating <laughs> presence and like, like six, four, 260 or something like that. And he would get in the room. And like, when you're trying to make decisions on, on players and on personnel, like to have to argue with somebody that is, you know, could knock you out. Uh, <laughs> it was a thing. And, and like, you know, they kept going and they're like, that's ridiculous. And he's like, no, you don't understand. Like a physical intimidating presence in those rooms can be very, uh, concerning. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I, uh, love Rabel. I love everything about him. I thought he did a really good job here with what he had. I didn't understand some of the GM choices as far as, uh, the, the players that we lost, you know, losing Kevin Byard and then yep. losing, uh, AJ Brown was just, it seemed like crazy town. It's like, it's like they, they gave up on the season, but then Will Levis started doing good. And so they're like, oh, we got to keep going. And and they just it, it just looked very disheveled, very disorganized. And so I don't know. I mean, from what I understand, Ran, uh, is it Ran or Ron? Ran. Ran is what I hear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ran is uh is got the the keys to the kingdom right now. He's the one making the the calls. He's the one in charge, from what I understand. And that's new and different. And what little I've read about Brian Callahan and then now his father coming, Bill Callahan, to, to do the offensive line is just like high, high praise from everyone. Uh, Peyton Manning is on record talking about how, you know, when they were at the Colts together, he was his favorite and thinks he's going to do a phenomenal job. And the system that he's going to put in place with Will Levis, all the um, all the talent that he's worked with in the past and like made them excellent and you know kind of maximize their their talents i'm hopeful he can do it with will, will levis that kid's got a gun oh yeah oh yeah and he can run the ball he's tough as uh tough as nails too yeah yeah i think there's potential but what you said earlier really resonated too it was like i don't know why they were doing those deals with the eagles but you know brown and you've seen what he's the impact he's had with the eagles if you bring in d hop and you get Traylon Burks, and it's just yeah, like you said, it's been messy. I I, I didn't really it's get been those, messy. Yeah, <laughs> those deals. And the, uh, for the first time in Titans history, they actually picked up a, a wide receiver free agent that was still good, and that was exciting <laughs> to watch. Uh, D Hop, like you said, like he was good. Yeah, and I mean, seeing... we picked up Julio Jones. We even picked up Randy Moss at one point. Like we picked up <laughs> some crazy wide receivers that were just nut. They did nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and it was, it was a uh, kind of night and day there with like, uh, I feel like Tannehill kind of beginning of the year. And then Levis started to hook up with, uh, with Hopkins and it was a whole different story and they started to be uh, more competitive. And then you've got kind of this kind of last, I don't know what you I don't want to say twilight, but this last little bit of uh, Henry that you want to, I guess, like maximize. So it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see what they do moving forward. I've heard, I've heard rumors that uh, he might stay, and okay. I would have never expected that. But uh, I think with with Callahan coming, you know, the the success that Bills had with the offensive lines, like, uh, might be a place he really wants to be. Um, you know, and tennis Nashville loves him, yeah. so I, I could see that. But at the same time, you know, the way he talked about the end of the season, he was done here. So um, it was surprising to hear that rumor, and I who knows. But I love the guy. Yeah, it seemed like a farewell, you know, uh, that interview he did on on the uh, on the field after that last game there. So, 
Yeah, I love, you know, you don't see it as often anymore, but those um, kind of one player, one team players, you know, so if he could stick around and, and all he's done there, it'd be cool to see him finish his career there. So we'll see. I had one more question for you there. You talked about uh, Levis. They got the number seven pick moving forward. I, I've been just looking at mock drafts and it's, it's, <laughs> we haven't even played the Super Bowl, so who knows, <laughs> but I see, um the offensive tackle from Joe Alt, or sorry, Joe Alt from uh, Notre Dame offensive tackle keeps coming up. But what's what's your wish list? If you were in the room and you had the 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 say there, what would you do with that seven pick? The defense did pretty well last year. The secondary was awful. I don't think you pick a secondary on, on number seven unless there's a generational talent there. I don't I don't know if there is or isn't, but I, I don't think you can generally go wrong with a number one offensive line pick i mean if there's anybody going before him if, if we could get a, a an elite offensive lineman um that would be amazing because the more protection that loves can get he likes that pocket and he can sling it it's only going to be better for us um you know I, I i don't know what wide receivers are out there i haven't really spent much time on the class either but maybe a really great tight end or a really great wide receiver that might be a little high in the draft i, I don't i don't know for sure but if there's, you know, they need to go at whatever position they go after, they need to go after an, a generational talent if they can, because seven pick, there's still that that kind of thing that could be laying around, especially if other teams have other needs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I like, like, I agree with that. You get a tackle kind of cornerstone there for a decade or so, you know, um, pass protection there is always essential. Like you said, kind of if you get Henry back, maximize that last little bit there with him. So that could be a good pick. Yeah. Yeah, NFL's one in the trenches for sure. Oh yeah, you've seen that. Um, both of these teams that are in the Super Bowl, I feel like you know the the front for for both these teams, like uh, Kansas City, San Francisco, uh, both the defense and the offensive sides. Man, they're really really strong. Kansas City, not to get too far in the weeds with Kansas City here, but you know that whole team seems to have changed their identity. Where it was Mahomes and obviously Hill's gone, but them doing all their their stuff on the offense kind of leading the uh, charge there and it, now it feels like more of a defensive team and that's Chris Jones and those guys up front doing it so yeah yeah for sure I don't I don't know much about the draft this year who's the who's the Jaguars number one pick who's got number one pick the Bears got the number one pick because uh they had that trade with Carolina so okay there's a hype about you know who they're going to pick uh probably a quarterback and move fields well, that's, you know, the fans yeah. were chanting, you know, we want fields or whatever that last game. Uh, and, you know, man, if I if I had any thought that fields could get it done, they could get a king's ransom for that first pick because Caleb Williams, some are saying he's a generational talent at quarterback. So if they could get, you know, three or four number one picks and some twos, you know, like they could stack their roster like the Cowboys in the 90s, you know, like yeah. just from just from depth and draft picks you know i i would think really hard about that if they could get a sweet deal um you know but nobody pays me for my football uh opinions <laughs> <laughs> but that's what i would do <laughs> no i i like that too i mean i like fields a lot and he's had a, a bunch of different you know um offensive coordinators and that whole situation also has been messy so i don't know uh but then yeah. at the same time if like you said trade back get some picks build Maybe that's the way to do it. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, there are some, uh, back to really quickly, uh, Jay, where you're saying, like, there's some receivers. Marvin Harrison Jr., I guess, is the okay. kind of the big, big name guy. And Stud. then, 
Yeah, we um, we're in Victoria up here, so we're kind of just north of Seattle. So I watched a lot of University of Washington, just the local team you're always seeing, and they got a guy Roma Dunze that's really, really uh, top top level. Um, so I could see him maybe being in the mix there as a as an option. I know if if the Titans want to go receiver, he could be a good a good one. Six three, uh, runs good routes, strong. Yeah. Well, Jason Witten's clone is in the is in the uh, the draft too. Brock Bowers out of Georgia. That guy's going to be the next like ten year All Pro. You know, maybe not Kelsey good. You know, but like yeah. like incredible tight end. So he's sitting there. If somebody you know is sort of wants the production from that position or, you know, they're saying he may slide into the middle, you know, like in the middle rounds or, you know, the middle of the first round, but he's a, you know, the best tight end prospect in ages, uh, which, you know, that's not like, uh, you know, you don't print money from, from tight end prospects, but, uh, no. uh, but he's, he's pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. If but you can get one that can block and catch though, it, it can be really yeah. good. Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure. And that that's actually a good segue, Kyle. Like I, I saw a mock that had your Saints taking him. I saw Jared Verse, the uh edge rusher of Florida State, and then also yeah. Brock Bowers. What what do your Saints need? You got the fourteenth pick. Man, the Saints are in such a weird spot, you know. Um really they need a lot because they they as, as as much as they have um, some some really good players. A lot of guys are at the end of the line. You know, Cam Jordan, Demario Davis continues to be just amazing at linebacker, uh, just like the fountain of youth. You know, he's thirty five yeah. or he will be thirty five in the upcoming season, and he was the MVP of the Pro Bowl. Which I mean, Pro Bowl, I get it, but you know, still he's a defensive MVP of the Pro Bowl. So the dude's the dude's incredible. But how long can he? You know, can he produce? You know, this way. Uh, a lot of the beat writer guys I follow on Twitter, you know, talking about how they could they, they've seen how he's you know lost a, a step or so. Uh, so man, they need a lot. So my thought is, I hate this, but my thought is, you know, whoever they identify as the absolute best player, regardless of position, take him because they they need they need a lot. Um, you know, they were uh, they were. Nine and eight. Were you nine and eight last year? With the new the new seventeen game schedule, I always forget forget what the, the schedules are. I knew them, you know, for forever, but or the the, the records. So I think they were nine and eight last year, and um, you know, winning record, which kind of was was surprising. Didn't see that coming at you know, kind of midpoint in the season. Um, but yeah, they they need a lot. My, my my honest preference would be offensive line or defensive line. If they if they could get a a game changing pass rusher, you know, a dude that's going to get ten sacks a year like Cam Jordan has you know, for the last decade or a, you know, just a, um, a plug and play at left tackle or, or even right tackle Ram check might be, might be out for, he might have to retire because of a knee injury and mm. uh, Trevor Penning, uh, the guy that drafted two years ago at left tackle, he's not really panned out. They're not going to give up on him. Everything I've read, they're not going to give up on him, but um, he may not be, you know, he may not be the answer there kick him inside possibly you know who knows so i i would i would say offensive defensive line but man be sweet to get bowers because <laughs> we've we've needed a tight end since jimmy graham they traded him you know oh, a long yeah. time ago how did uh how did Derek carr do down there wasn't he the quarterback yeah yeah man you know he didn't do great um i think he was definitely an upgrade from the guys they had last year Jameis, Jameis is just he's he's a roller coaster. You know, sometimes it's like he'll blow you away and like, wow, what a throw. And then sometimes he's like, he'll throw into quadruple coverage. You know, it's like, <laughs> what are you doing, man? You know, uh, 
And then they had Andy Dalton as well, who's just, you know, Andy Dalton. Red Rockets. The Red <laughs> Rocket, the, the Red Rifle. He, uh, yeah, Red, red Rifle. <laughs> You know, you're just you're just not inspired by you know Andy Dalton. He's 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 okay. He's like the textbook definition of okay. Uh, you know, at this stage in his career, but he's not going to do much for you. Um, you know, I think one thing that's really underreported about uh, Derek Carr is he suffered probably two concussions mm. and two shoulder injuries. Um, and he played through all of it, you know, and, you know, and so he, he's, I think he's the type of guy who's not going to bring that up, you know, but I think it really hampered his play. I think they had some, I think he had a hard time figuring it out early by yeah. the end of the year, they started clicking a little bit. So I'm hopeful that, you know, an, another year now, I was about to say another year in the system, but we just, we just hired a new offensive coordinator, uh, Kubiak. Um, again, speaking of you had you were mentioning Callahan, generations of of you know of yeah. coaches and their sons. So we got Kubiak, who's a Gary Kubiak's son, uh, as our new uh, offensive coordinator. He's coaching in San Francisco, so you know it's like one of those like you you hope the you hope the greatness rubs off kind of thing. But you really never know when these dudes you know are actually calling plays and they get a chance to you know to to be the guy. So I hope that he can come in and do some things. He ran a lot of play action. Uh, our beat our beat writers were always like, "We don't run enough play action," you know. So uh, so he's kind of the answer there, maybe. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's a rambling answer, um, but uh, yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for Derek Carr in year two. Yeah, yeah, I think too as well. Like he was with the Raiders for so long and getting settled in a new environment, like you said, new offense, things like that. But you know, um, they get Kamara rolling. The I forgot the the receiver you have uh, not um, Alave. Thank you, not Chris Alave. Say, yeah, yeah. You got the two from Ohio State, but like Alave is the guy I was thinking of, and um, I think there's a lot of potential there, and especially the the um, NFC South's really winnable. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, yeah. that's that was so discouraging last year. We had like the second worst record or uh, opponent record, you know, of anyone in the NFL, and we can only muster nine wins, you know. So it was like. Gosh, you know, with, with that terrible of a of of a schedule in terms of you know win loss record of the teams we were playing, we couldn't we couldn't win that winnable NFC South. That was you know, but really what it all boiled down to. A lot of people nobody remembered this. Week three, we were we were up seventeen nothing against uh, Green Bay at halftime. Uh, Carr got hurt and Jameis came in and could not. We couldn't score and we lost eighteen seventeen. And had we won, had we just won that game and everything else in the season turned out the same, we would have made the playoffs and the and the Packers wouldn't have, you know. And so it's oh, just yeah. it's one of those like sliding door moments. If it just you know we have a defensive stop there in the fourth quarter, we win that game and it's a totally different season. I, just, I didn't really didn't really keep up with the Packers, but man, Jordan Love at the end of the season, oh yeah, he was crazy fun to watch. He came yeah. on. Yeah, I don't think For they're sure. missing Rogers right now. <laughs> no, 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 I, not. And they're probably going to benefit greatly in this draft, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think they're going to – I don't know where they pick, but I, I remember they got a lot from the Jets. And they have, you know, three or four, maybe four receivers, young receivers, second-year guys, or, well, I guess will be second or third year next year, that are really good. Um, I think the Packers are going to be good. It'll be formidable. Packers. You go into Dallas, nobody went into Dallas and beat them really this year, and that was a great way to finish the year. For Packers sure. gonna Packers gonna be Packers. They're gonna do what they do. Who's your team? 
Oh man, you know what I hate to say is I don't really have a team. <laughs> I yeah, just like the, the NFL. You just like like football. I love football. Yeah, I'll say yeah. this: I growing up in Richmond, we're about two hours south of the DC, so I I was inundated. That's why. That's why Washington. you say you don't have a team. I know <laughs> that ownership is. I mean, well, it was moving on now, but yeah. yeah I, most of the people in my life were either, um, you know, friends and family were either Washington fans, Carolina fans, and then later on uh, Ravens fans. So okay, I, I watched a lot of them, and now I've been living here in the Pacific Northwest for ten years, and um, I watch Seattle, but I'm not like necessarily like you know twelve. I'm not really that into Seattle. Russell Wilson was here, you know, obviously for a bit, and he's actually from my hometown. He's from Richmond. I'd see him around town. So um, oh wow, so I kind of you know, rooted for them. Still, I still can't believe they threw the ball against the Patriots on <laughs> when you have Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> it just haunts everybody up here. Dude, I want just every time I hear the name Marshawn Lynch, I want Skittles. Like that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Uh, I think every, uh, I think every fan base has that moment where you replay it in your head and it's like, it's going to happen the right way this time. You know, mine is the, the, the 2018 NFC championship where, you know, the, uh, Tommy Lee Lewis gets annihilated by the Rams. You know, I can't oh, remember yeah. uh, the corner's name that just took him out. Yeah. So you, you see the you see the GIF all the time. You know, the the receivers there, the quarterback takes him out, then the ball flies by, and no flag. You know, people don't remember that. If we had gotten that penalty, Saints gotten that penalty, you know, we could have we could have kneeled on it, called timeout three seconds, kicked the game winning field goal, we're in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's it's that like. There would have been no more drama apart from an 18-yard field goal. I mean, it would have been that short. And it just oh, it just haunts me. <laughs> and, I, and you probably feel that way about that run. Just give it to Marshawn. Why are I, we throwing? I just got <laughs> depressed thinking about the Titans. I just got depressed yeah. thinking about their moment. Like that <laughs> one yard yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, one yard away. This in the super, like I just I got sad. Like I was like, <laughs> I what have I done with my life and why am I why am I invested <laughs> in this sport? Was like where it was going. This, guys, this is what sports is. That's, that's what sports is, though. That's what it does for us, man. We hold on to those things. We love them. It keeps us coming back year after year to, you know, maybe this year. Maybe this will be the year. <laughs> exactly. Hey, yeah. uh, go, going back to Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, I, I don't feel like it went super smooth this this year with the, with the old Sean Payton. What's the that's a little little Saints uh, Kyle's oh, yeah. uh, Kyle's boyfriend. Um, <laughs> what's uh, what's the future there for Russell? You think? That's a great question. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Kyle, feel free to step in too. I mean, sure. They cut him, and I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs of the the finances, but I saw something like basically a team can sign him, sign, sign Wilson, and he's on a minimum for them. And the and the uh, the Broncos are picking up the bill. Basically, that did they, would, did they cut him? They haven't yet, but it's okay. um, but it's likely. It's, it's likely, yeah. Okay. So, I was just gonna act like I already knew that because I, I was like, like inside, I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, "I missed that one somehow." <laughs> no, that's the that's the rumor mill. I mean, um, two was he? I guess he had two seasons there, and you know, Sean comes in, and and you always saw him fussing and fighting on the uh, the sidelines, and I was just thinking, this isn't going well, you know. Yeah. Um, but I could see somebody, Atlanta, I don't know, somebody like that. That's you know, kind of mid. Yeah table that just needs a little something else like picking them up um who else comes to mind uh yeah i, yeah. I don't i don't know but uh but yeah I, I think he he's got to go somewhere somebody's gonna want him i mean i think he's still got a little bit life and a little bit juice left um 
use them the right way. I don't think, you know, get them out of the pocket and, and, uh, throw the ball down the field. I, I just didn't really look like it worked at Denver, but then they went on that run where they had like five yeah. or six in a row. So uh, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Now, look, I'm terribly biased for Sean Payton. That guy got the Saints. Oh, yeah. The New Orleans Saints, a Super Bowl. Like, uh, it's uh, apart from like Detroit or Cleveland, there's really no other franchise that, like, is, you know, like they got a Super Bowl, you know, like the Saints are really that type of franchise. That's my team, man. But so Sean Payton got us a Super Bowl. I love him. I love him to the end. Um, so, but my thought is that dude, that dude took, uh, Taysom Hill, who's a, you know, yeah. a, a fullback basically. <laughs> and, and we won like six games with him at quarterback, you know, the year after Breeze retired. Uh, and that was not all we won, but just as, as with him as a starter. And I was like, if he can drag, you know, a converted, you know, wide receiver H back who's playing quarterback to, to that many wins, that dude can do magic with a quarterback. If he couldn't get it out of Russell, I don't know who can, you know, at this stage, I think, I think Russell at this stage is athleticism has failed him. And now you sit back in the pocket, you know, it, apart from athleticism and, and, you know, he didn't have a, a cannon arm either. So I think that's, you know, I think that's some of it. Um, but, you know, it may have been a clash of egos. It may have been a, um, um, you know, Russell didn't want to, didn't want to be coached the way that, that Peyton wanted to. And maybe Peyton was a little arrogant and what he, you know, what he thought he could squeeze out of him. And, you know, I don't know. I don't really know all the ins and outs, but my, my thought is if, if Sean Payton couldn't make it work with him, I, I don't know what he's got left. If, if he can, you know, if he wants to carry yeah. a clipboard for five, six more years, I'm sure he can. But in terms of being a starter, I don't know that, I don't know that he's, that that's in the cards for him, but you know, again, nobody pays me for my football opinions. <laughs> no, I hear you. I, I'm curious to see where he lands too. I, it's, it's so interesting how these guys can fall off so quickly. Um, cause it feels like, yeah. you know, just a couple of years ago, Seattle was still in the mix with him, but yeah, um, he was throwing a ton. Oh yeah. Yeah. Metcalf and Lockett and yeah. throwing that, that beautiful deep ball. And now he's, you know, gonna, yeah. who's, who knows where he end up. Yeah. Well, I think it was because he's such a great athlete or, or was such a great athlete because he could run, he could yep. take a hit, you know I mean? Like he's just so amazing. And, and kind of once that that part of his game kind of faded a little bit where he wasn't as dangerous out of the pocket, you know, and thrown on the run, those things, he wasn't quite as, as able to do that as he was when he's a little bit younger. I think it, it's, it, it, it's easier to, it's easier to defend him. You know, it's easier to scheme him. Um, whereas it was harder before because the dude was just so crazy, crazy athletic could escape and, you know, make throws off schedule that you just, you, you can't imagine you didn't see coming. So, yeah. Yeah. You know. Let Russ cook. Yeah. Well, I'll say one more, one more thing about Russ and then uh, jump in and I want to hear a little bit about your book, but um, he, I saw, I saw Russell uh, coming out of a pizza shop one time uh, when I was in Richmond one summer and he was happened to be there. He's 5'10", maybe. Yeah. He's he's a, he's not tall. I was amazed. Yeah. I was like, "Are you serious?" Because <laughs> he's wide. I mean, his he's wide shoulders and everything. But it was crazy. I was just like, "Man, this guy really is about five ten, five eleven, maybe on a good wow. day." And yeah. just playing against all of those uh, those huge guys and getting the job done is kind of crazy. Well, uh, I mean, you you find yourself in the presence of of most football players, you know, unless like they're little kickers or you know. But you're just like. Holy cow. You know, it's like what Jay was talking about with Vrabel. You know, I, I walked into a Chick-fil-A in Houston one time. I was traveling with my family and my kids are in the play place. And I look over 
is Arian Foster. You remember Arian oh, Foster yeah. was an running amazing back, yeah. running back. He played at University of Tennessee, which that's my favorite college football team. So I, I was like, oh, Vols, you know, and I didn't realize at the time he kind of had a beef with the team. So he, he didn't talk too much to me. But <laughs> I, that guy had to turn sideways to get to the door, and he's a running back. His shoulders were as wide as, you know, I mean, he was humongous. And yeah. just standing next to him, I was like, holy cow. And I'm a, I mean, you can't see on the webcam, but I'm 6'2". I mean, I'm a tall guy. And I was like, man, I would not want to get hit by this guy. And he's a running back, you know? He wasn't even yeah. a linebacker or defensive end or whatever. So, yeah, those dudes. So, it's pretty interesting. You see Russell Wilson, who's a great, you know, probably borderline Hall of Fame player. And you're like, that dude's kind of little, <laughs> you know? That's yeah. Kind of, and it's kind of – that speaks a lot to him and how great he, you know, he he was in his career uh, to to do what he did. Yeah, for sure. Well said. Yeah, I remember Aaron Foster. He was tough. He was good. Yeah. I, yeah. I followed Matt Hasselbeck around uh, REI. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to like hide in the in the clothes and just look at him, but I, I didn't, didn't do too much of that. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, tell us a little bit about your book. Uh, tell us about the the premise. It's a it's a unique uh, story, and I just wanted to hear a little bit a little bit about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, thanks for having us on your show. We're not really, uh, our book's got nothing to do with sports. Uh, but man, as you can tell this first conversation, we love sports. Um, so yeah, but we wanted to, you know, share our story with, you know, sports fans as well. Um, the book is called the dead rock stars. Um, the premise is, uh, you know, imagine if, if many of your favorite rock stars, uh, from, from the past who tragically died too soon, uh, what if they didn't die? What if they actually faked their deaths and have become secret agents and have been secretly in the shadows protecting the world for decades? Uh, so that's the, you know, kind of the the basic sketch of of what our story is all about. No, that's great. I, I uh, had the fortune of a few pages in and and uh, Elvis is in there, Buddy Holly, Janis Joplin. It's really cool. Just the whole concept. I mean, you just think about all of those. I haven't gotten further in the book, but I come to mind like Hendrix, Morrison, Kurt, Kurt Cobain, like all of those folks that we lost too soon. So I love it. And um, and you got Cole Denton in there kind of working through some things, too, with, with all those folks, too. Right. Yeah, Jay, tell him about Cole, man, he, he, who, who yeah. he is. Uh, before we get to that, well, I guess it is a good segue into, into Cole. We use the term rock star in a very um, spiritual sense, I would guess, I guess you could say. <laughs> like uh, in the spirit of rock star, these people are. So, you know, we have some some different genres that wouldn't technically be a rock star, but you know, you call people rock stars all the time. And uh, our story is set in 1999. And there is this thing that is happening that the, the debt, the DRS isn't, isn't prepared for. They don't know what to do. They need, they need a tech rock star. And so Cole Denton is a technological rock star and they recruit him. He fakes his death and he shows up with his talents to help bring them into the new millennium. Oh, that's great. Uh, I've, yeah. I need to read the rest of it. I'm excited just uh, hearing about it <laughs> for sure. Um, he's 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 imaginary. He's fake. You know, a lot of the other people, the rock stars in the you know in this story, are they're they're real people based on real people. Uh, obviously, you know, fictionalized. But Cole Denton is is a is the is a fictional character. He's the guy who, you know, we see the world through his eyes. Um, the world of, of the dead rock stars. So we you know DRS for short. Um, he uh, he doesn't know anything about them. They're you know they're the best kept secret in the world, sort of thing. And so you know he has to come in and be initiated into you know 
all their terminology, all their, you know, everything that they do. And that's sort of like us as a reader, as we, when we read the story, we don't know anything about their, you know, their procedures, their, their terminology, their vocabulary, their, you know, what they do, how they operate. Um, and so that we feel like that was really important to have a character who he's the main character. He's the protagonist of the story um, who, who is not a, a, a real person that we're, you know, building the story around. Um, uh, but is but is imaginary, you know, and is the someone who can come in and you know you can you can experience the world with him as he experiences it. That's a good point there, and I was going to ask you guys how was it building that world, like having that, you know, kind of these these guys that are in everyone's consciousness from the past, but then also bringing in uh, Cole, who's like a fictional character, obviously, and collaborating together just to to make it work. What was that uh, that experience like, Kyle? I can't. I can't speak for you, but I would say this was one of the major benefits of having a co-author because the two of us and our different giftings allowed us to be able to create a fuller, more realized world. Um, I had a lot of fun dreaming up, uh, you know, secret agents always have great headquarters or underground layers or something like that. And so <laughs> I had a lot of fun dreaming up their headquarters and dreaming up what it would be like and, you know, where it was and what were the possibilities. And, you know, Kyle, uh, you know, Kyle had some very specific kind of dreams about this thing. And so the two of us were able to kind of craft this universe, this alternative history fiction universe. Yeah. And it's funny too, because you don't really think about this, but, we got into building this world and I thought we had done a pretty good job of it. And then when we hired a content editor, he said, Hey, you guys haven't named any of these buildings. You don't have, you know, street <laughs> names and stuff like that. And so uh, we had to, we had to go back through and, and really kind of flesh it out. And so, but it, it was totally fun. And probably my favorite part of having a co-author is kind of building this world together. Yeah. yeah that's one of the cool things about our partnership is, uh, we really are comp complementary parts. You know, the things that I'm strong at, maybe Jay isn't as strong. And the things he's really good at, I'm not as good at. And so, you know, two heads are better than one is what I like to say, you know. Uh, and, and you know, we, we I think we really work together to create something really, really fun. And uh, in some ways, you know, different from a lot of the things uh, that are out there. Um, an original idea. I mean, it, it, there's similarities to men in black or Kingsman, you know, some of those other like secret society or secret, uh, uh, secret teams, you know, that are protecting the world sort of things. It's so similar there, but uh, not with people who are actually, you know, real uh, who, who, you know, you don't have to be introduced to Elvis Presley. When you read about Elvis Presley, you can already hear his voice. You can already see his face in your mind, you know, those sort of things. Kurt Cobain, you know what the guy looks like. You know what he sounds like. You know, you know, it's from music. You're familiar with him. And, you know, it's, I think that's kind of a cool element that people don't have to get to know all these characters you've never heard of when they come into our book. Because uh, a lot of them are already familiar um, and, and known. What is a little different is, um, you know, all these people lost their life too soon. And so there are things that we imagine in 1999 that are a lot of fun to kind of dream up what it would have been like if they were around. What's Elvis Presley like at 60? You know, what if, uh, what if Biggie wasn't so big? What if he made some choices <laughs> and was a little different? Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we had a lot of fun thinking about that as well. And so it's not 
they are known and we kept the essence of them, but also they've matured, they've changed, they've grown, they're, they're different from their experiences. And it's a lot of fun to create that world too. No, that's a great point. Like uh, top of my head, I'm just thinking the number 27 comes to mind. Like a lot of people, a lot of these uh, rock stars, I just, I don't, I don't know. I think that they died around 27. So like you said, you yeah. with age comes more wisdom and kind of how you, you view the world changes for sure. So that that is also a, a really interesting point to talk about. So I was going to say, Kyle, one of the things my wife always says to me is, um, Part of a good relationship or a good marriage is doing the, the doing a thing the other person doesn't want to do, whether it's like yeah. washing the dishes, cleaning the toilet, whatever it is, you uh, <laughs> yeah. collaborate. So I was thinking about that when you were talking about you two playing off of each other. Um, I have I have described our our partnership as a creative marriage. <laughs> it really is, you know, so much so that we have to compromise, you know, in decisions when we were writing the story, you know, something he really, really wanted and, and he pleaded for it, made a case for it. And and I, you know, okay, I didn't want it so much, but I could be convinced and you know, meet me in the middle, sort of. And same thing for me, like I really would like to do this. You know, he's like, well, I don't know if we should. And, you know, we, it was, there was all kind of compromise and you're just like, you have to compromise in a marriage. You have to, you know, you, nobody can get their way all the time. You have to, you have to share, you have to, you have to, you know, make decisions together, that sort of thing. And so very much a completely platonic creative marriage is, is, is what <laughs> well, we, is what we have. <laughs> sometimes you don't need to get everything you want because uh, yeah. sometimes what you want isn't right for the story. And so to be able to have, the creative marriage um, and to be able to talk through some of that. Sometimes you come to a, a much better story because you weren't allowed to do the thing that you thought you really needed to do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I wanted to ask as well, it would be remiss not to talk about what, what's the soundtrack to this sound like? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, when we first wrote the book, Man, there was a ton of music in it. And then we realized this thing called copyright. And <laughs> uh, we learned pretty quickly if we wanted to keep our houses, we probably didn't need to have song lyrics in the uh, in the movie, in the book. Uh, so uh, what we did do is uh, we used a lot of song titles and a lot of things that were in there. We would kind of give uh, ideas for the book. And so Kyle did a phenomenal job of going through every chapter and creating a Spotify playlist of each chapter in chronological order of when the songs are played. And so I don't know how many songs are on there, Kyle. Gosh, I haven't looked at it. It's, it's in the thirties. I mean, it's, it's a lot of music. I think it's four or five hours of, of continuous music. And it's awesome. everywhere from, you know, Ted Nugent to Holly <laughs> to, to Ricky Martin to, you know, I don't know. Did you, did you, when we talked about corn and Will Smith, did you put songs in or did you just let that be? I, I put the wild, wild west. I did okay. put that one in. I didn't put the <laughs> corn <laughs> one, <laughs> but I did put the wild, wild west. Yes. All right. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, if you, I just thought about this too, like Jay, you'd mentioned you, kind of maybe a Freudian slip talking about a movie. Who, who would be, who would you cast if you, uh, I know you got a, a, a lot of uh, different folks in here, but Anyone come to mind in particular of like who you'd like to cast as actors to play the roles of the uh, folks in the movie or sorry, in the book? Sorry. Yeah, we, we've talked a lot about this. I know you, you addressed it to, to Jay, but I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, yeah, we, we talked a lot about this over the over the 
the the months and, and you know now years actually that as we've been working about this we wrote a book because we didn't know how to write a movie honestly we'd love to we'd love to see this become a movie or um you know a television series or, or whatever you know but uh yeah so we thought a lot about it you know elvis presley is the main character one of the early ideas we had about or he's one of the main characters but one of the early ideas we had is so many of the people in our book they've already made biopics about them you know, at separate at different phases. So we thought, what if a lot of those people who played them before in a biopic sense, what if they could play them again? So one of our okay. earliest ideas for Elvis was Kurt Russell, who played Elvis in in the 70s, one of his first movie roles. He was like a Disney kid. Nobody remembers this. He was Zac Efron, you know, of the 70s, you know, uh, like a, a Disney kid who, who, who got big and made, you know, some other cool movies. And one of his first big roles was playing Elvis Presley in, in a biopic in the, in the, mid to late 70s was it so a movie thought, or was it a tv like it was a, movie made for tv yeah it was a tv movie is what it was ah. yeah um but th- we thought man that'd be great and actually a little little trivia the scene in uh in forrest gump when elvis comes to to his home when he's a child and he teaches him how to forrest does the moving and teaches him how to dance uh kurt russell does that voice he's not the actor but he does the voice of elvis in that scene that's a little little movie trivia there for you so I think Kurt would be fun. He's one of the ones we've discussed for Elvis. But uh, Jay, I don't know what are some of your favorites that we've we talked about over the years. Cal always gets a little uh, little salty when we start uh, giving away some of the characters that are in the movie. <laughs> uh, we've, okay, we've, gosh, we've... characters that are in a book. Like like I don't, we we didn't know how to write a movie, and so we wrote a book. I mean, this book it reads like a movie. It's it's a quick read and it's a lot of fun and you can see a movie all over it. So you're right. It is a little bit of a Freudian slip. Um, but you know, Jimi Hendrix, uh, did you talk about Jimmy? Did I, I didn't talk about Jimmy now. Uh-uh. So Jimmy, uh, I thought Jamie Foxx would be a great Jimmy. He's I got some that. age. He's got some musical chops, but Kyle pointed out that, uh, somebody played him recently. And I thought that was a really great casting. Yeah. Andre 3000 already played him in a, uh, in a biopic um, probably about 10 years ago at this point. Um, so I saw a picture of him recently. He's really gray. So I'm like, man, he look. he kind of looks more like him as he's gotten older, you know? Yeah. Uh, but my favorite one uh, of, of all of them, when you get into the book, you'll find, and, and you know, we, we've, we've talked a lot about this. So, so forgive us for the spoilers and, and your listeners, forgive us for, for some spoilers, but um Jim Morrison is one of the characters in the book, and you'll find when you get to him that he doesn't speak. Um, and there's a reason for that. Uh, one of our favorite actors of our generation is Val Kilmer. Yeah. Uh, the dude, you know, Doc Holliday, or, uh, you know, he played Batman, you know, he, he even his great <laughs> stuff from the 80s, Iceman or Real Genius, you know, some of those those great roles that he had. So he, we love Val Kilmer. Well, Val in 2014 had throat cancer and now he doesn't speak very well. He, it's very strained for him to speak. So we thought, let's write Jim Morrison to where he doesn't speak so that Val could play him again, you know, and it would fit right in with, you know, kind of where he's at in his life. That's how much we love him, you know. Uh, and so that was sort of a little little Easter egg, little uh, little hidden behind the scenes thing there for that. That's was so that cool. Batman Forever? He was in Batman Forever, yeah, yeah. The one Tommy Lee Jones and, the, oh. and Jim Carrey. I bet, he, I bet he wishes he never did that. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff to turn down Batman, I guess. Yeah. I think Clooney's was worse, I'll be honest. I think I think yeah. Batman and Robin was worse. <laughs> oh man. 
No, that's Man, cool. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, that was that was terrible. That was that was Arnold Schwarzenegger as Doctor Freeze. I oh, did yeah. enjoy the Clooney uh, cameo in the Flash movie. I thought that was pretty good. If we're doing spoilers, let's just do some yeah. spoilers, Kyle. Pull them all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that breakdown. That's that's great. Um, you guys are well versed in TV and and uh, and film as well. And one of the questions I had here for you was. Desert Island, I said three, but, you know, if you want to expand upon it, go ahead. But Desert Island, give me, let's say, like three movies you take with you and like a, a TV box set. What would you take with you? Kyle, you, you want to go, go first? first you want me to? You want to go, okay. we'll go back and forth? Sure, let's go back and forth. Yeah, let's go back and forth. That's fun. Uh, I would, one of my three movies I would take is Captain America Winter Soldier. I I love the action sequences. I love the story. Like I, I love everything about it. Uh, for me, for sure, I'm I'm one of these weird guys. Um, but my favorite Star Wars, and really my favorite movie of all time, and it's all because of where I was when I was a kid when I saw it. I mean, it it changed the course of my life for real. But is Return of the Jedi? I mean, that is my favorite movie. Uh, I love it because it's the conclusion. I love. I love a story that concludes, that finishes well, you know. Uh, I still get choked up thinking about Vader looking at Palpatine, looking at Luke, looking at Palpatine, looking at Luke, and choosing Luke and picking up Palpatine, throwing him over, you know. Like, I still I still get choked up, you know, when that comes on. I've seen it 7,000 times, you know. <laughs> uh, just, I, I, I just love it. So, Return of the Jedi would, would absolutely be my number one choice. And if I only had to take one, that it would be number one for sure. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to say some crazy ones. Let's just get crazy. Uh, get crazy, man. Get crazy. Yeah, we're just, just going to get crazy. Uh, <laughs> Tombstone would be one that I would take. I think that's got so many quotable lines. It just never gets old. And seeing Kurt Russell go out into that Creek or river or whatever, and just start laying people out with a shotgun. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Val Kilmer's talking about him walking on water after, uh, after it was over. I just, you know, that's not even one of the more popular scenes, but I just, I I could watch that all day. The old AZ if you do. Yeah. You tell them (laughs) I'm coming. (laughs) It's a great one. I love Tombstone. I think I've already mentioned it. Uh, I hadn't, I hadn't watched it in years, but again, it's, it's a, it's a lot about who I was when I first saw it. Um, So I was 15 turned 16 in 1994 when uh, Forrest Gump came out. And that's the first movie that I saw three times in the movie theater. Uh, I loved it so much. It just, man, it just, something about it just grabbed me and I, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get enough of it. I don't know what it was. You know, maybe I'm a simple guy too. And I just, I relate to him. I don't know, (laughs) but but, uh, I just, I love, I love that movie. I love, I love the story. I love the, uh, the picture of love, unconditional love that he has for Jenny, you know, yeah. uh, even though she probably, my dad ruined it for me. You know, he's like, you know, she probably used him. She was in de- <laughs> such desperate, desperate place. She knew he would never say no. So she just man, used Donnie. Him. I, Donnie like, I know my dad, he did go dark. I was like, dad, come on, man. Oh, uh, but that for forgetting all that. Yeah. I'd say Forrest Gump would be my number two for sure. Nice. I would, I'm, I'm, here's where I, 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 I'm, I'm teetering back and forth. It's, I need a comedy, right? So I've got action. I've got, uh, I've got another Western kind of action and then I need a comedy. So I'm teetering between Tropic Thunder and (laughs) Dumb and Dumber. That's where I'm teetering at between the two. I think I would probably take Dumb and Dumber, but, but Tropic Thunder, 
is one of the most nuts movies of all time. Oh yeah. And I don't, I don't think I get tired of watching Robert Downey Jr. Or Jack Black when he's tied up, you know, wanting drugs or any of it. It's just, uh, Ben Stiller standing there with no hands. (laughs) The Tom Cruise dancing at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get old. Nick Nolte over in the corner, you know, I, uh, and then, uh, uh, what's his name? Danny McGrod blowing this stuff up, man. That movie just, uh, but, uh, I think I'd probably go dumb and dumber. Uh, I, I saw that in the theater three times, at least maybe four. And it, it has a certain timelessness to it where it's not necessarily, does it feel like a nineties movie or anything like that? It just feels like a completely alternative world. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. A lot of Dumb and Dumber in our book too. When you when you when you read it, there's a lot of lot of Dumb and Dumber uh, references uh, for sure. Man, I uh, I think number three for me, uh, I'm teetering. I'm like you, Jay. I'm kind of teetering back and forth. Uh, Forrest Gump's funny, you know. It's dramatic too, so you get a whole lot of stuff there. Uh, sci-fi itch is is um, you know Return of the Jedi. So I need to I need to find something that. Uh, is is of a diff in a different lane, you know? Maybe um, still magnolias. No, well, you know, man. Now, yeah, honestly, I've never seen that one all the way through. Um, so, you know, I, it's it's more recent, and again, I think it speaks to our it speaks to our generation. And, um, but I think I'd have to go Top Gun Maverick. Nice. I just I love that movie so much. It is perfect in every way. It is flawless. Jay, I don't want to hear it. It is flawless. It is an absolutely perfect movie. Uh, and uh, I just, I just love it. I can't get enough of it when it, I still, I'm, I'm old school. I still have like, yeah, I can flip through the channels TV, you know? And when I see it on, I just stop wherever it's at and I just watch. Um, so yeah, still love Tom Cruise. I know he might be crazy, but I still love him. <laughs> the man will the man will drive off a mountain for me, you know, like he's 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 incredible. So yeah, I'd go I'd go Top Gun Maverick. Love it. Now what what about uh if you had a box set, each of you? TV box set. I guess it's my turn. Uh I think the op- the office is the obvious mm-hmm. answer for a lot of people because it just doesn't doesn't stop. But I think I would probably Either go with uh, Arrested Development or Parks and Rec. And I'd go for them for different reasons. Arrested Development is just so meta and so many layers of jokes on jokes on jokes on jokes. And they've got Henry Winkler, which I feel like is a prerequisite for any great TV series. Uh, And (laughs) the Fonz. Yeah, but Parks and Rec is uh, so, I mean, Ron Swanson is uh, one of my top favorite all time you know, TV characters. He's up there for me. He's your and spirit Chris, animal too, in a lot of ways. Yeah. We're, we're pretty similar people. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was in a restaurant the other day and uh, it was for breakfast. And I wanted to say, give me all the eggs and bacon that you have. And when I mean, give me all the eggs and bacon you can have, I mean, all the eggs and bacon. I wanted to, I wanted to do it, but uh, it's good natured. It's good hearted and they love each other. And it's just as funny as the office, but it's got a little bit more heart and uh, it's, it's different than the office. I don't know if I'd say it's just as funny, but there's enough just kooky craziness in that show that um, I really, really love it. I wish that they had a little bit more arrested development and parks and rec both suffer from the same thing. They didn't have enough ratings. And so every season, 
for Parks and Rec, it was like that might be the last season. And so uh, some of that writing isn't quite as crisp as far as the story goes, and they have to end up jumping around and doing some wild things. But Arrested uh, Development was just so good and, and in many ways a precursor to a lot of uh, the comedies that kind of exist right now. The, uh, you know, that, that cast too, man. Oh yeah. I, I could watch uh, Joe Bluth, uh, you know, just about uh, any day of the week, man, doing magic. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> which one did you pick? I didn't, I didn't, which one, did, which one is the one that you, uh... I'm going to go arrest development. Okay. Got yourself a stew. Mm. Yeah. Well, you talk about you talk the money's about money's in writing. the banana stand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I've never never seen it. You know that's so. Uh, when I come over to your island, I can watch that. Um, <laughs> if, if we're on islands and we're talking about kooky writing, I think there's only one answer, and I think it's lost uh, yeah. for me. Uh, I know people hated the way it ended. I didn't mind it so much. I hated that the loose ends were not tied up you know that there wasn't clean answers it felt like we were promised clean answers you know but we never really got them you know i can anyone ever really explain what the smoke monster is nobody knows but all that to say that first season was so good i mean so good uh that it makes up for the the unevenness of the other five but still i didn't mind the way it ended you know and i always theorized i always said from the start, season one, from the start, in the writer's room, what is this show about? Uh, well, this show is about the people who crash on an island. They're actually in purgatory, and they're trying to decide if they're going to go to heaven or hell. You know, That yeah. was the actual idea for the show. And when you know, this was the first show that really kind of created like message boards and internet You know, that, that really got big in that. And when that was the first theory that kind of hit the hit the internet was like, yeah, what if they're in purgatory? I think they were like, oh no, they figured it out too soon. So they had to take all these left turns and stuff, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, and it, some of them didn't necessarily work out, but, you know, as things were revealed, as you kept, you know, watching the show, you find out these characters are connected in ways that you couldn't imagine, you know, like um, that. I just loved it. I, 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 I can't really defend it, but I loved it. So it would be <laughs> lost for me. Okay. I hadn't, I hadn't I hadn't watched it in years, and I think if I rewatched it again, I'd, I'd fall back in love again with it because you know I uh, a lot of it I'd, I'd be reminded, oh yeah, I forgot about that, you know that sort of thing. So yeah, I'd have to I'd have to say lost for sure. All right, Kyle, you just said that, and I mean I'm not going to dispute it, but I'm just going to ask one more time: Do you really was that true? I mean, did they really start it as purgatory? Was that the pitch? Or no, did they- I don't. Did they take that internet theory and were like, you know, that's a pretty good idea. Let's just land the plane that way. Land the plane. I, I, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard Lindelof or Cuse or any of the any of the producers or writers come out and say that, but I believe it. I'll take it. Okay. Just like just like okay. I believe that George Lucas had no intention of writing more than, you know, more than one Star Wars. And when it made seven billion dollars, he was like, Well, I gotta do more, you know. When do you walk away from an ATM machine that's just spitting money out at you, you know? <laughs> that's the question you have to ask. And so Lucas wrote another one. The same thing with Lost is I that's my that's my theory and i'm gonna stick with it that that was the idea when it was discovered they thought shoot and so then they wrote so far away from that idea that when it came back around in the last season and it kind of revealed that that's kind of truly what it was all along this like purgatory state you know then they could make people forget about it then backdoor it back in to go yeah this is this is what it was all along you know i want to ask a nerd question kyle oh boy here we go (laughs) so kasdan wrote empire yep 
He did. Lucas is involved, right? But he's not directing it. He's a producer. He this, yeah, he wrote the story, okay. the story treatment. Yeah, and okay. Kazan wrote the script. Okay, so he's the he play put the things in play where he didn't do a Ryan Johnson. He he uh, he actually <laughs> did the story and kind of connected it together. Okay, I was curious. Right. Yeah, sorry yeah. sorry for taking that tangent. I just no, that's uh, great. I love it. Okay. I love it. And I don't usually get to talk about this kind of stuff, so I'm just fascinated <laughs> with you guys. It's great. I think we're I think we're kindred spirits, man. We love sports and we love movies and stuff, you know. So we could talk about this stuff all night. I think. Yeah. Could, yeah, could, could sure. I get just one of your Desert Island movies? Oh, for me? Um, yeah. I was thinking about it, you know, while you guys are talking. I'll throw these ones out. I watch Days and Confused probably once a year. Okay. So, and okay. I feel like it's got all right, a, all right, all right. Yep. Soundtracks, you know, awesome. Uh, yeah. So many great actors and actresses. Um, just that whole kind of capsule, even though I'm, I was born in 80, but just that capsule of that time period and kind of a reverence for high school and kind mm -hmm. of uh, all of that just really resonated with me. Um, I love uh, Linkletter, right? Is that the yeah, Linkletter? Yeah, Linkletter. That's yeah, right. I, love, I love his stuff. Um, it's funny. I used to be a huge Tarantino guy, mm -hmm. so I would say like Pulp Fiction. I mean, it's kind of chalky, but it's just it's. I mean, talk about quotable moments in, in movie history, yeah. right? So, and just the 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 layered aspects of the the storyline and and how it's out of sequence, and I, I just uh, yeah. I could talk about that. I took, a, I took a first date to see Pulp Fiction in the theater, and that was a very <laughs> poor choice. Oh, man. <laughs> it was a first and last date is That's what good, that was. That's a test. But yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. if I could jump in, uh, honestly, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, yeah. Tarantino's most recent story is, is really a huge inspiration for us because when we watched that movie, we were like, we can actually do this because we were worried, you know, we were, we were already writing at that point. We we didn't have a publishing deal or anything like that. So we, you know, we were still kind of like, is this ever really going to happen? And when we watched that movie, you know, that's that's a story with real people. Sharon Tate was a real person, you know. Yeah. I mean, Leo DiCaprio's character, Brad Pitt's character weren't real people. I think they were kind of loosely based on real people. But Bruce Lee was a real person, you know. Yeah. And there's that scene where where Bruce Lee and 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 Brad Pitt's <laughs> character fight, and Bruce Lee doesn't come off great. He comes no, off he gets, like a, he gets crushed. Yeah. Yeah. And so that inspired us to go. We can write this this book. We can tell this story. And while we want to be uh, careful with these real people who aren't with us anymore. We can also tell the story that we want to tell and do it the way we want to do it, you know, um, and not fear, you know, uh, defamation of character, you know, kind, kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah. And and one thing we did note, uh, Roman Polanski is still alive, but he, and he appears in the movie yeah. uh, very briefly. But he has no lines. And what, when we researched that, when we discovered you can give dead people lines, which obviously our book's full of lines from dead people, but you can't put words in a living person's mouth. So if you notice, he has no lines in that in that book. He whispers uh, in someone's ear at one point, but he doesn't ever say anything. Hmm. Um, and so that's sort of like, you know, OK, so we can't really mess with real people who are still alive, but we can mess with real people who are dead. We can we can create characters from them that are base you know some sometimes loosely but sometimes as closely as we can get to who they really were so yeah i didn't mean to interrupt you on your desert island but i thought no, no. that's really a good good point to interject that 
Before we get to your last one, because I'm curious. Okay. Kyle, what Tarantino movie would you pick? Probably Once Upon a Time. Yeah, I think that's my I think that's my favorite. I'm I'm not a huge Tarantino guy. I got to be honest. I have not I've not even seen all of his movies. Most of them feel to me like ones that I'm happy I saw them once, but I never want to see them again. You know, like Django. I don't think I ever want to see that again. You know, the Kill Bills that didn't. That didn't really get me real excited. I was like, okay, I'm glad I saw him. Um, you know, in Glorious Bastards, I wasn't, you know, it's like, okay, cool. The catharsis of the end where they're shooting the room up, you know. Yeah. But like once upon a time, I think because it was a fairy tale, you know, honestly, uh, in a lot of ways, because what really happened, they changed the ending of what happened. It kind of has a sweet ending, you know, there's enough space over here, spoilerific, there's enough space from the violence to you know to the end of the movie that that you you end the film on this kind of sweet note of hopefulness you know and some of his other movies don't necessarily end that way even though what really happened in life was horrific and awful and terrible this is like this is a fairy tale i'm going to end it the beautiful way the way it it, it could have or should have ended that uh, final so it, that final scene in that movie or, or you know the the action sequence uh it, it's one of the most funny things i think he's ever written yeah yeah <laughs> he pulls out the blowtorch. Yeah, or when the knife's sticking in his arm, or the bulldog goes and attacks, and or the, I don't know if it's a bulldog, but whatever the yeah. the pit bull. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then the you know DiCaprio with the the flamethrower in the pool. Or <laughs> I actually cheered. Like in, I was at home by myself. I cheered when that happened the way it did because, you know, I just think the Manson murders were so sad and just so unnecessary yeah. and random uh and and for it to go the way it's like you know you think about Django, you think about inglorious bastards you think about um many of them it's it's alternative history of of kind of righting wrongs and that's a lot of fun when you get into those kind of things he i think he's got one more in him doesn't he doesn't he have one more yeah i yeah. think it's starting to it's starting to come together I, I can't remember who i heard the other day it's slated to star in it um, but he's, he's got an actor. I think he's got an actor for his last movie. I'm sure he's writing it. Who, who knows when it'll come out, what it is. You ever read a script from Tarantino? It is the no. most detailed script, like down to the color of the floor wood or the, the, the <laughs> type of furniture. There's, I mean, like super detailed, like there is no, there is no ad libbing in those movies. Like it is <laughs> like, he is he has intricately covered every single part of it. Uh, so many pages of script. Like, it's crazy. It's like a <laughs> telephone book, you know, script. <laughs> no, All right. Cool. Oh, Number yeah. Three. Um, I was thinking about, you know, comedies as well. And Swingers. I think Swingers would be my other one. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I watched that. Uh, it just kind of hit me at the right time in my life, I guess. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. That whole indie vibe that uh, Kyle was just mentioned, like a, a, a sweet ending, a good ending. And that has that kind of ends on a, a positive note. And just there's so many quotable things like peak Vince Vaughn, I feel like. Peak. Well, um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's, it's beginning of Vince Vaughn, right? You know, that's yeah. the first time we kind of meet yeah. him and, and know who he is. I mean, Rudy doesn't count. And uh, right, <laughs> I forgot. Like about to him. see that fast talking, and and I, you know, you kind of fall in love with them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just there, there's so many aspects of it. I really enjoy like the whole thing. Like they're all trying to 
get these different roles and like uh the one guy you know he's vying for what is it like uh goofy or, or pluto or something i can't remember and like <laughs> and you know they're all kind of teetering on like am i gonna have to go back to new york am i gonna have to like move back in with my parents like that i don't know i just love that film so i would say that um box set oh man you know you guys named some great ones i watched the office religiously arrested development parks and rec um I don't know if I would, if I'm on the desert island, maybe I want something lighter. But the third, first thing that came to my mind was The Wire, but Ooh. but I don't know. <laughs> I want that. We've got a couple friends who would be right there with you. But um, <laughs> man, I tell you what, the first season, third season, fourth season of The Wire really did it for me. So I would, yeah, I'd say maybe The Wire. I would prefer no judgment on this, but I'm just going to share. I on purpose have never seen an episode of The Wire. I'm right there with you. Yeah. No judgment. Yeah, it's it's a hard watch at times, honestly. <laughs> I, you know, I I had I've had enough stuff in in life that's serious that I need zombies, man. I need some stuff blowing up. I need some ridiculous comedy because it's it, it's yeah, it's more fun to live in those worlds than it is the reality and the the corruptness of uh, of this world. Uh, you know, I understand the the value. I understand the significance of watching it. I think it's important to watch sometimes things like that to kind of understand. Uh, and it's really well done. It's great, great actors, great moments, great scripts. But uh, give me zombies any day of the week. <laughs> Now you escapism, especially if you're on a strand on a desert island. I, I'm with you. <laughs> That's right. You know, back to backtrack to swingers for a second. Jay, you may not remember this, but I, I kind of struggled with confidence when I was a younger man. Uh, what am I talking about? I still struggle with confidence. But anyways, all I'd say, <laughs> uh, one of the pep talks Jay and, and some of our buddies used to always give me was a line from swingers that say, you're so money and you don't even know it. They would always, oh, yeah. that's how they would always build me up, you know, so yeah. Uh, that's there's a sweet spot in my heart for <laughs> for for that movie <laughs> for that reason. But that's sorry, awesome. didn't mean to, didn't mean to backtrack. But I, I can't know. believe you didn't you didn't instead of Forrest Gump and Lost. I can't believe you didn't pick Castaway. Man, it seems like that's more Ooh, on that the one's, nose. That one's pretty hard, man. That one's that one's. I mean, it ends it ends at the crossroad, you know, where he's got to make a choice of you know who's going to be. Spoiler: You're going to ruin the six <laughs> six cents now. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> oh. I'll sip that one. Uh, you know, that was, you know, 25 years old, but someone may, maybe one of your listeners maybe hasn't seen it, but uh, yeah, no, it's, that one's hard though, man. I watched that one recently, believe it or not, it was on and I, I was like, I hadn't seen Tom Hanks holler for Wilson in a long time. So I, can, I can't you know. believe they played bone thugs and harmony right there at that moment when he's literally at the crossroads. That was a surprise. I'm going to miss everybody. <laughs> <You're> awesome. <laughs> Oh, um, we're about, about almost out of time. I'm about to get out here, but um, both you guys are parents, right? They yep. are. Yeah. Uh, I'm parents and my, my partner, Justin, who uh, does the, the pod with me too. We both have, uh, all of our kids are under uh, 10 years old, but each of you, if you got one piece of parenting advice, what would it be? Oh man. I'll go and I'll let you think about it. Let okay? me stew. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the most important thing you can do for a child is to not cultivate their athletic prowess and not even spend that much time on homework. But if you can spend time on a, on a kid's heart, on mm. a kid's love, on how, you know, how they understand love and create health in them, health emotionally for them, all the other stuff will come. 
you know, they'll be wonderful, productive citizens who actually make a difference in the world. If you spend the time most people do on little league, whatever, spend it on their heart, cultivate their heart, cultivate their, their love and cultivate their emotional health. And that will go, that will, that will be the best thing that you ever invest in. Beautiful. Mm. Man, that's really good. Oh, gosh, this is, this is, this is really, really hard. I, I'm fond of saying that I feel like children are far more resilient than we give them credit for. Um, and so I, I think it would be something along the the lines of, and I'm not great at this, honestly, I'm, I can give this advice, but I don't always do a good job of following it. Um, but is let them try and fail. Don't always try to come in and fix it for them or do it for them. You know, like they're never going to learn to tie their shoes unless they struggle with it. And, and, you know, and my kids are much older, they can tie their shoes now. But I remember when I was a, when I was a younger parent, like I wanted to do it for them. I was like, we got to get out the door. We got to do what, you know, but like, that's how they learn, you know? And I think we take that and we rob them of that as they get to be teenagers, they get older because we're like, you know, Oh, I don't want them to hurt or I don't want them to make a mistake or I don't want them to fail in this, this reason or yeah. that, or this thing or that. I mean, behind the wheel. Okay. No, we don't want them to fail there, you know, <laughs> but like in other things that, that aren't as, as big a deal, you know, I think we need to let them fail. We need them, let them try and fail um, to think know that they can come back from it and, you know, yeah. and be stronger. I think that's uh, sp- particularly significant for, for females, for little girls. They're, they're taught to be perfect. And because of that, they don't ever try big things. And so they need that freedom to fail and to be brave. Mm. I love it. That's that's a great way to to end. That's that's awesome advice, guys. I really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate the time. Sorry about the the technical issues there and everything. Oh, man, no problem. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you for great. having us. Yeah. Um where can uh where can guys where can people find your book, find you on social media? Yeah, our website is deadrockstarsbook.com. From our website, you can buy uh, first edition, um, special edition uh, autograph books from us. Uh, but you can also get them anywhere books are sold. Uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any any retailer online, you can get them. Uh, and the more that they bought online, the more likely they might show up in your local bookstore. Uh, but if you do have a local bookstore, you can order it direct from there. Uh, so if you want to support local, please, please go about it that way. Uh, we'd love to... Uh, We'd love to help you support your local bookstore as well as, you know, Amazon, all the, all the, all the big monsters out there as well. Uh, but yeah, you can find it anywhere. You can find us online, Facebook, the dead rock stars book uh, on Instagram, uh, the DRS book, and then on Twitter X, whatever it's called now, uh, DRS <laughs> book. Um, so yeah, you can find us always. Uh, I'm fond of using the hashtag uh, dead rock stars book. So if you hashtag dead rock stars book, you'll see all of our stuff. Awesome. Um, Really appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.